we ended up that day placing, and, and these are confirmed people that got jobs because we went back and tracked with all the people that were there, 110 people took employment at that event. Welcome to Peer Talk, a dialogue with business owners just like you. Peer Talk conversations run the gamut of business challenges facing owners today. The host of Peer Talk is Dan Crowley, founder and owner of Peer Executive Groups, which provides a safe space for owners to share their experience, grow their businesses, and learn from their peers. Hi, this is Dan Crowley. We have a number of great business owners in our Peer Executive Group network, and our job is to give them a voice. Welcome to Peer Talk. Peer Tech is a proud sponsor of Peer Talk. Are your results actionable? View your industry data like never before. Gain insights, view real-time KPIs, drive growth, unlock potential. When you join PeerTech, your data drives decisions. Peer benchmarking allows you to see your data like never before. Why be satisfied with incomplete data when clear, responsive, real-time trends could be yours? Now is the time to start making insightful, data-driven decisions for your business. PeerTech, sign up now. Welcome to another edition of Peer Talk. Our guest today is Tim Allen, who is the president and owner of Allen Rental in Roseburg, Oregon. Tim Allen also co-chairs the American Rental Association Construction, Industrial, and General Tool and Equipment Shared Interest Group. He's been featured in May's edition of Better Homes and Gardens, a story highlighting the advantages of renting tools for backyard projects. In addition, Tim serves on the board of CCD Business Development in his community. Their mission is to encourage economic development, diversify local economies, support industry, and enhance quality of life for all of in the region. Welcome to Peer Talk. Today we have Tim Allen from Allen Rental in Roseburg, Oregon. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for having me, Dan. Tim, today we're going to talk about new hires and how to make them happen. Uh, you have made a mark these last few months with some creative ideas, and hopefully we'll get some of your great wisdom down here on recording and uh, be able to share that with the members. Um, so first off, let's start a little bit about who you are and where you came from and, and what your business is all about. Why don't you tell us about that first? Sure. So uh, first off, no pressure there, you know, to, to try and solve the higher employees thing. I'm, I'm glad we got a nice, easy topic today. Yeah. Uh, so I, I grew up as just a kid, real mechanical. And uh, wife and I started out pretty young with a family and, and I jumped into turning wrenches for a living. But I always had the dream from high school that I wanted to be in business. So an opportunity came along when I was about 35 years old. And I had a friend helped me put together a little mobile repair shop was in a uh, old used postal service van. So I just set out on, you know, the world with that business. That was my business. I just went out and repaired stuff out of the little mobile van. And I was about eight months into that. As I recall, a local business in town, I'd been fixing some paint sprayers for them said, Hey, why don't you, put your business in, in my building and it'd be good for both of us because you're attracting clients that I don't have. And I can also feed you a bunch of clients. He had a paint store. So that was the, the beginning, if you will, right there. Of course, power washers go along with paint sprayers. So it naturally migrated to that. And the whole time I'd been watching 
United Rental in our community, what they were doing. And, and I kept seeing that as a possible way to leverage my skills. So I can only fix so many paint sprayers and power washers. But if I could figure out how to have those create value for us, then we'd be able to move further than I could just fixing stuff on my own. So when the economic troubles hit in 2007, 8, 9, uh, we had, as I said, United Rentals. And at that time, uh, there's another big player that United Rental bought out. Um, and so they had left town. United Rental was still in town. And then I caught rumor that United was going to be leaving. And so this when I heard that, we borrowed money against the house, maxed out our credit cards, anything we could do to get any money to buy equipment. And we went to the United Rental auction and we bought our initial inventory there. And to, to put this into perspective, it was less than $10,000 worth of inventory. It was just a, a very, very small amount of inventory, but it, it cracked open the door. And then I got creative with seeing contractors with equipment sitting around all over and said, I'll tell you what, I'll rent your equipment. We split the, the revenue on it. So you can still make your payments on it. I'm, my insurance will cover the liability. I'm going to fix stuff when it's broke. All for you really is you've got to make a reservation to, to take the equipment out to go do it. We can't have you just walk in and, and, take it if we've already made a reservation for another customer. Well, we found a few contractors that that worked with. And so that really, really helped. Now we had equipment, excavators and things, and we could see had, had proof of concept on the amount of demand for it. And from there on out, you know, we just started buying, buying, buying because we knew it was making more, more than enough to make the payments. Wow. And excellent. So now we're up to oh, two locations. We're up to two locations now and, and enjoy the heck out of it. It's, it's definitely family. I've got my wife and son both working in it uh, and our grandson. Gotcha. Okay. And, and Roseburg, are they both in Roseburg or in the municipality of Roseburg or where are the two? No. So Roseburg has a population of about 21,000. We're super rural for folks that aren't familiar with it, but um then about 20 miles south of there is an even smaller community called Myrtle Creek that has three other small communities right near it. So the, the pull for that population is enough for another store. And that's where our second location is. Got it. Myrtle yeah. Creek. I see that. Tri-City and Canyonville or whatnot, Days Creek, it's all around there. That's great. And yep. Yeah. You're, you're not kidding when you say rural. It's, when we look at the map on uh, members who jump on the podcast here, we usually don't see this much green. So uh, folks, if you check it out, you will see a lot of green in, <laughs> in this section of Oregon. So, okay. So let's talk about current, current day. So here we are in current day and, and clearly, um, you know, Oregon was one of the States that was, was lit up the last uh, 24 months with all sorts of activity, but, one of the things I take away from Oregon and the, one of the reasons for this call is this, what is happening with compensation and benefits, right? So topic today, I'm looking at California, I'm looking at Oregon, I'm looking at Washington state, and uh, it's just a different world. 
compared to the rest of the lower 48. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your feelings about, you know, how this has evolved in your last couple of decades? What, how did you get to this place where, uh, you know, there's a pretty significant compensation and shortage of employees as well? That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, so without, without acknowledging, you know, politics, because politics is a huge piece of it, yeah. we are in a state, for instance, that has a supermajority in the House is Democratic, a supermajority in the Senate is Democratic, a Democratic governor and a Democratic uh, state. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's the next position under the governor. So we are definitely without question and have been for some time now a democratically run state. And you know, whether you uh, uh, like their methods or not, they tend to favor social programs and assistance and those sorts of things. And so their policies go that direction, and that's that's kind of what's got us here. I, I don't know what else to say on that. That's fair. That's fair. And, and in fact, um, you know, this this ties right in with my next point, which is, you know, in terms of lead indicators around the country, uh, the Pacific Northwest is, uh, you know, a lightning rod. We're looking at things such as. Um, uh, labor costs as a percentage of revenue. Um, we're looking at things such as, um, gosh, uh, hours, um, what is it, uh, revenue per hours worked. And uh, there's no question that, um, you know, there's a squeeze happening in that portion of the country uh, that makes it very difficult um, to make similar profit margins as the rest of the country. Now, the assumption would be that we would have uh, more productive employees, more productive um, uh, systems in that environment because of that. So that's, I think, where we're challenged right now. But what what the reason for the the call isn't to ha or for the podcast is not to complain necessarily, but to kind of say, okay, when faced with lemon, how do you make lemonade? How do you innovate? So why don't you tell us a little bit about your current work environment there and your employees? And first off your own employees, how you treat them, what you do uh, to try to keep them happy as employees. And then secondly, we'll talk about prospecting. Okay. So I think it's fair to say in comparison to our local business community, we kind of fall mid to lower end on wages. Uh, just, I have to be straight up. That being said, you've already acknowledged it's, it's probably equal to or higher than other places in the country. So when I, for instance, lose an employee, say we have a, a guy working in the cleanup bay, he may leave us to go in, into a mill job that's going to start at 25 to 28 bucks an hour, full benefits. Mm -hmm. And I know the similar things happen around the country, but that's, that's kind of what's happening. And now if you've seen the signs online, you know, Taco Bell, $1,500 signing bonus, 15 bucks an hour. Those are real for us. I mean, that's, that's the climate we're in and we see. So I get to try and figure out how to have employees be happy and productive at, at a wage that, you know, isn't, isn't a lot more than what Taco Bell's paying. So we focus on the 
the other the things that we do have control over, and that's going to be flexible time off. Uh, our, our big one is you never have to miss another one of your kids' baseball games. We are going to, somebody's going to fill in for you when it's your turn, and all we're going to ask fill in for somebody else when it's their turn. Kind of a flexible work schedule. It Honestly, most of what we do is going to be there tomorrow. Uh, we've built up enough fleet now that uh, if, if somebody takes a day off and something doesn't get serviced, there's another one back there that can be used that was serviced. Wow. So we've been trying to figure out how to make our inventory a little deeper, um, really work on that family piece of it. And then the culture, uh, you're familiar with the... Um, entrepreneur operating system. Yes. Uh, that that piece really helped us with the uptraction, helped us with the culture in our business. So these folks are now a part of the team. They're not just an employee. You know, they, they have responsibilities. They have opportunities. They have a lot of stuff that they kind of have control over. So they take a little more ownership in it at that point. That was a, a bonus I got out of your peer groups, obviously. I mean, the very first meeting we went to, you brought that up and that started on that. Yeah, so it, it, it I is interesting. I was going to say the, um, the way that the EOS implementation has been going on around the country in the peer group owners world, the employees do seem to have a little more stick. There's more, a little bit more retention because they are participating in making their own life better inside the work environment. So not, they feel listened to, they feel included in things. And yeah, in fact, I, I didn't even think about that you were implementing EOS at your location. So that's ac- absolutely a good uh, bonus. And, and regarding that, uh, have you had any yep. big rocks, um, which are obviously big action items related to um, employees or benefits or recruiting? Have you guys done that in any of your L10 discussions or your quarterly big rocks? So the employee piece, I would say we're, we're right in line with every other business as far as, you know, it's nationwide. It's no secret that finding and retaining good employees is, is difficult to do. So we're, that's definitely on our or a part of our L10 meetings, especially a quarterly L10 meetings. When you're going through, do we have the people that gets it, wants it, and has the capacity for it? Are they in the right seat? Those kind of things. When you're reviewing that, you're always looking for um, opportunities to like move people around within your organization if there's something that they're a better fit for. I was just talking to my brother about how it was interesting in that I thought we were providing opportunities or asking the right questions. And then when we implemented this and we have a, a chart of 10 things we need to sign people to and let them choose or, or work with which ones they're going to do, they're picking out things that I I just didn't know they had an interest in. And all of a sudden they take it, own it, and run with it. And it's a win for both. Yeah. So that piece is happening there. Uh, part of what I'm wondering, if, and we talked to touch about the job fair thing, uh, I, I'd be remiss to not include it. And that is, is a result of, I was on a Zoom call with 
because of my economic development stuff, I'm talking with state economic people. And this particular one had the governor and a few other people on it. Every business owner there was talking about the difficulty in getting employees. And the the people that are in charge are saying that, you know, it's 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 our problem, not their problem. Okay. And I, I left that just feeling like they weren't hearing us. I was very frustrated. So I was already kind of in a, uh, a little bit of a, a trigger mode, I guess. And about an hour later, my wife walks down the hallway and says, you know, we should have a job fair. And for some reason, those two just clicked. When I heard that, I knew it was a community issue. I suspected that we might have a challenge trying to get people to engage again in the workforce, but this was the perfect opportunity to prove it. It's either, it's either going to flop or it's going to fly. And so we did the first one from concept to uh, event in two weeks. It wasn't much time. We wow. just got together with 10 local businesses, said, hey, we'll provide the space, the tables, the chairs, whatever marketing we can do, and let's see what happens. We only got a few people at that job fair, but the shock waves that went out from it because nobody else was doing it. You know, this is something usually your community college uh, economic development groups are doing. Nobody was doing it. And out of the blue, here's this job fair. Mm -hmm. Well, after that one, uh, I think we placed five people. Five people showed. We placed four. Okay. Five people showed up at that one. We placed four. Um, but then in the weeks that were following it, there was, it was real intriguing to watch how the people in the community reacted. You had people going, well, you know, if I'd known it was there, I'd have been there. And then you had other people going, so who is at the job fair and is looking to hire? <laughs> and, and they would go seek those people out and see what job openings they had. So you really got to see a difference in the mindset of the people in the community. Wow. It, it, in the end, that one you know, showed us a little bit. I got together with those same 10 businesses, said, do you want to do it again? They said, sure, let's do it in a month. So we did another one and decided we cut the first one off at 10 businesses. Let's move this one up to 30. Well, the 30 business slots were filled, I mean, darn near instantly. Wow. Businesses from the community that wanted to, to participate. And, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it, but we ended up, that day placing and, and these are confirmed people that got jobs because we went back and tracked with all the people that were there 110 people took employment at that event oh, that's amazing and while we're there everybody's asking what's the silver bullet how did you get this to happen because the state has been trying to do this and they're not getting anybody they might have two people show up and they're using a way bigger budget than what we're doing. And I just explained to them, just like we do in business all the time, we set the 10 of us sat down. What are the friction points? What are the reasons people aren't entering the workforce? There's some of them we can't control. You know, if they're getting paid a lot more on unemployment than they are coming to work for me, I can't control that. So we don't put time into focusing on that. What are the others? daycare. Um, 
I was amazed at the number that were just flat. I, I would call it confused about how to get back into the workforce. Wow. So maybe they're, they don't have a resume or it's, it's out of date and they haven't done anything with it. They just kind of look a little lost as they're walking around. Well, we made sure we had people there that would provide f- for free of charge help getting their application filled out or their resume updated or built new. We had childcare there. So if they showed up with their kids, there was something for their kids to do while they went and talked to the employers. We just, everything we could figure out how to take friction out of it. That's what we did. And it seemed to work. That's excellent. Yeah. I'm, I am sure that uh, a number of people have been on top of your story on this. And, and certainly I, was one of them. And I'm just looking for the first one to pop up somewhere else. Right. So we can see if this thing catches on. Um, uh, and, and actually it, what you brought up at the end there segues nicely into the next topic, which is HR oversight. So, you know, employees don't necessarily know, don't know what they don't know. Right. So you have to escort them through the process, whether it be onboarding them into their job and training them on the job, um, it's all about retention once you start committing. And so do you guys, have you seen yourself evolve related to onboarding, orientation, anything like that? 100%. Again, back to the EOS. Yeah. Uh, that was a piece of it. It was, it was rock. In fact, it's rocks that still remain to this day. Um, and we struggle with how to, how to get them down to a small enough bite-sized piece for a 90-day rock. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So when it used to be, when they started, we would put them with someone that was in that similar position and they'd work with them for two or three weeks and then you'd gradually wean them off and you'd send them on their way and, you know, see how it goes. And now it's, it's everything from here's our core values. Here's, you know, the history of the company. Here's how, uh, your job description is spelled out. This is the audits that we're going to be doing on this position to see how you're doing all of it. It's just massive, massive change on onboarding. That's amazing. And, and you're, you know, think about you with one, two locations and boy, I can't even imagine what it's like for some of the operators with, you know, 10 locations. And uh, we talk about HR oversight and how it's become its own, department, a lot of people seem to be outsourcing it because of the changing of the laws, especially in the state of California, um, you know, keeping up with that. Um, anything you see in the future, especially after, you know, your participation in job fair, do you see anything in the future related to employee um, onboarding, uh, recruiting and hiring, any of that? What's, is it going to be more the same? We just have to really focus on that almost as even though you're in the rental business, you're very active as a people business. Um, I guess what I could speak to is <laughs> it's my rooster back there. There we go. <laughs> um, you know the, the the rocks that are still remaining, I guess, are further. Uh, he's going to go off for a little while now. I think I'm going to move. Um. How how do we get them trained even deeper? Like, you know, the the forklift training is obvious. How can we replicate that through all of our other equipment so that they 
really understand what's going on and, and understand what we're expecting from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go beyond that, the HR piece, you know, we're one of them that, that farms out a lot of our stuff. So the, the HR firm we use creates our employee manual, but we can't let them control the culture in the company. Yeah. So that's kind of how we're looking at it is, is, is this a culture kind of effect thing, or is this just a, an administration kind of thing? And if it's culture, we're handling it. And if it's administrative, we're letting them handle it. Got it. Okay. That makes total sense. Excellent. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're running out of time here, but a couple more quick points. Uh, if you can help us out, you're very active in the uh, American Rental Association. Obviously, we heard a little bit about the Economic Development Organization. Um, could you give us your insight as to where you see rental headed the next few years? What, what are going to be some of the big challenges that we face? Well, uncertainty is is the huge one and, and trying to figure out what the, the supply, how is the supply chain issues going to play out? But by the same token, and, and I try not to let myself go negative, I see this as, you know, potential opportunity. I know for our business, we didn't sell a lot of stuff last year. Our competitors did. And when it come time to get equipment this year, they couldn't. And we had stuff sitting on the lot. Mm-hmm. So if if I was to be focused, I'm really paying attention to what what is the sourcing. And if I can't source, how do we get more life out of what we have on the lot? And is that a, a relationship with a dealer? Is it, you know, training within your own company or tools? We've done some investment in diagnostic tools that I didn't necessarily see us doing in the past, just to make sure that that stuff, instead of re- being replaced every three years, if it's five years or more, we're able to keep it going. Um, I think that is probably the biggest thing that's on my mind is if we're not able to replace equipment, um, especially us smaller guys that don't have the buying power that the big ones do, okay, what does that mean? And to me, it means we've got to figure out how to get value for the equipment that we do have. So um, it's got to keep working for us for a longer period of time. So that means we're going to have to invest in that equipment and how to keep it going. So like I said, diagnostic tools and things like that. Great. And you're a member of the great group Rentalosis, isn't that correct? (laughs) Yes, Rentalosis is a great group. You are correct. (laughs) They're they're sick for rental. They're sick for rental. But um, uh, where is your meeting for the fall? Do you know where that's going to be located yet? It's going to be in Vegas, yep. Oh, excellent. So anyone, I believe they may have a spot or two available still in that group. Rentalosis is a great group. Progressive owners such as Tim. Tim, we have really enjoyed having you on the program today. I appreciate you taking time out. I know you were very busy. No, a pleasure. Uh, I can see you sunning yourself in your backyard. You're very busy today. I don't want to take up any more of your time. (laughs) But we, we thank you for coming on the program. Okay, sounds great. Thank you, Dan. All right, take care. Peer Tech is a proud sponsor of Peer Talk. Are your results actionable? View your industry data like never before. Gain insights, view real-time KPIs, drive growth, unlock potential. When you join PeerTech, your data drives decisions. 
Peer benchmarking allows you to see your data like never before. Why be satisfied with incomplete data when clear, responsive, real-time trends could be yours? Now is the time to start making insightful, data-driven decisions for your business. PeerTech. Sign up now. You've been listening to Peer Talk from Peer Executive Group, produced and directed by Noah Crowley and hosted by Dan Crowley. Subscribe to this podcast for notifications of future episodes of Peer Talk.